0: This segment of the show is sponsored by Finn Cycles. It's time to rethink golf. The game is at a tipping point. The young people we need in the game don't have four and a half hours to spend out on the course. Pairing Finn Cycles with a desire to play ready golf can cut playing time in half because all golfers go directly to their own golf ball. Plus, it's tons of fun. Go online to finscooters.com and click on Find a Finn for a course that has them near you. All right, now joining me here on Next on the T is 2012 Senior PGA and U.S. Senior Open Champion Roger Chapman. Let me give you some background on Roger. He's from Nukuru, Kenya. He now lives in Ascot, Berkshire, England. He won the 1979 English Amateur Championship and the 1981 Litham Trophy. That year, he was a part of the Great Britain and Ireland Walker Cup team. And although they lost the matches, Roger won three of his four matches, including defeating Hal Sutton twice on the same day. He turned pro later that year. He won internationally at the 1988 Zimbabwe Open. In 1991, he finished tied for 12th at the Open Championship at Royal Birkdale. In 2000, he won the Brazil-Rio de Janeiro 500 years Open in a playoff over Padre Harrington. In 2018, he won the MCB Tour Championship at Seychelles on the European Senior Tour. Last year, he finished tied for 10th at the Senior Open Championship. And like I mentioned a moment ago, he won two majors in 2012, the Senior PGA and the Senior U.S. Open. And I'm very honored he is with me today here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Roger, thanks for joining me. Nope, 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 no worries, Chris. Roger, I always like to start off with a, any first-time guest on the show, really understanding when you fell in love with the game, who was the first person to put a club in your hands and, and uh, talk about the, you know your start really playing golf? Okay,
1: um it was I was about ten years old and my father used to go and he was a member at Favisham Golf Club down in Kent and I used to go on at the weekend just to caddy for and get a bit of pocket money and I was always pretty good at sport, had a good eye for a ball and then one day I sort of said to my dad, Can I have a go? And he said, nope, there's no future in it. So um I I left him on the course one day, went to the, the, the pro at the golf club. And his name is Derek Place. And he gave me a club and some balls. And I was hitting the ball okay. And the dad saw me and thought, well, at least he can hit it. Um, and then he, he allowed me to play. And I, I joined as a junior member at Faversham, And, um, you know, went on from there, really.
0: So at what point, like, was there a moment in time when you thought, you know what? I'm I want to be a pro at this. I want to do this for a living. What what kind of sparked that idea in you? Um,
1: I was about I was about 13. So you know we're we're talking sort of 73 Open. Um, Tom Wisecoff at Troon. Uh, and I thought you know, I, I was watching it on the TV was, and I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. And I I'd, I'd been playing golf for about uh, three years since and really got uh, really got to got my juices flowing watching the open championship and then I met a guy uh called George Will, very fortuitous meeting. Um he was having dinner with his his new uh new partner and she was a friend of my mum and dad's and they were all having dinner together and George who was a three time rider cupper um 63, 65, and sixty seven um Obviously, chatting away, and said to my dad, "Or oh, what do you, what do you, kids?" And dad said, "Well, we've got a couple of boys. One, one's a golfer and wants to wants to be a pro." And so George said, uh, "Well, give him a call and what, we'll, uh, um, get him up to the up to the house." So I got on the bike and m- met George, and he said, um, "I'll tell you what i will do. You come to my club at Sundridge Park Golf Club near London." We'll have a game of golf and see where we go from there and um played a round of golf with George and he said, uh I'll teach you, but you're not turning pro and I'm thinking, Well I wanna turn pro. He said, Well do you want to turn pro at sixteen and be a shop boy and sell, you know, miles bars to Mrs. Smith and and teach on the range? He says No, I said, No, I want to be a play golf. He says, Right, okay, well we'll we'll do it this way and and what we did, we we played junior golf and then uh, youth golf and men's senior got to men's senior level and you know I got I won as you said I won the English Amateur the British Stroke Play which is pretty much the Lytham Trophy played Walker Cup um, and then he said now you can turn pro and I was 22 so um, I owe and I owe George everything really and he was my coach. Pretty much up until he died
0: in two thousand and ten Roger, as you mentioned, you know your father said there's no future in the game when when you when you <laughs> talked about turning pro, was he on board? Did he want you to do that Did he want, was he trying to steer you another direction?
1: Well, he was pretty much a uh, an academic he was um, director of research at Shell Research Center and he went to Cambridge University, so you know he wanted me to have you know something to fall back on and but I was pretty adamant um I was always pretty good at sport as I said I played uh, field hockey for the school at under you know in the first eleven I played uh Kent under sixteens cricket um played football so you know I had a, but then I gave everything up to concentrate on goal and he backed me I used to sort of when i when I left school at seventeen yeah i went to play on the amateur circuit and george will he was uh, he was fantastic in in uh, encouraging me and and giving me lessons and and making my way through the amateur game and um then when george spoke to my dad i think he he said look this guy's good enough to turn pro and be on the be on the circuit so i think then that was about 18 or 19 george uh, my my dad said um okay and he sort of gave me his, his approval.
0: So did you have that father-son moment, you know, when you when you won a tournament or, or what have you and, and look at your dad and say, you know, hey dad, you, you think this might be worth it now?
1: Oh, uh, no, I keep reminding him, especially in
0: 2012. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, and Roger, I've heard you refer to yourself in different interviews as a journeyman golfer. Was there yeah. a time when you were playing out on tour that, that you lost confidence in yourself and really started to question it? Or you always knew at some point that it was going to click in?
1: Um, I, I knew I had the ability. I knew that, you know, from people, everybody that you
0: know, has,
1: has done sort of articles on me, you know, what a great ball striker, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's just in his head. And, I, you know, I tr- I really tried hard. You know, I went to see... You know, it's like sports psychologists and, you know, trying to help me because uh, I was a little, you know, I'd get a little bit hot-headed and you know, I was my own worst enemy, put it that way. Um, and there were times when you think, oh, yeah, what am I doing this for? But then then you think, uh, what else am I going to do? I love the game of golf. I love sport. Um, you've got to carry on. And one of the defining moments in my my time was um, i lost my card for the first time in 1999. And that was the year Payne Stewart uh, unfortunately died in that air crash. Um, And I just missed my card. And Sky Sports News wanted me in in the studio to talk about this terrible accident that Payne had. And I came to the conclusion that, um, you know, Payne Stewart wanted to play but can't. And I could play. But didn't, and I thought, well, that was a pretty selfish attitude. And then, you know, I got my act together. I went back to the tour school at the end of '99, and the European tour school got my card back. And then, lo and behold, next March, you know, I win the uh, tournament down in Brazil. So, um, and then I won another one in uh, at the end of the year, the King Sand Trophy, which Payne Stewart always went to. Um, so, you know, that that was a pretty defining moment in my life i think
0: was that the moment that you it really came to you that said you know what i do belong out here i do belong playing amongst the best in the game was that that moment um
1: i think it, it you know i had i had moments earlier on in my career sort of you know when things weren't going well and i I'd, I'd had tournaments taken away from me or I'd, I'd backed out of tournaments um so but that was that was the real moment, I think. And, um, you know, it, it took a tragedy to kick my, kick my backside and, um, get stuck, stuck into to just do some decent work.
0: So let's go up to 2012 and at the 2012 senior PGA at, at Harbor Shores and Benton Harbor, Michigan, you win that tournament by two over John Cook and three over Hale Irwin. And, uh, you became the first person since Irwin in 2004 to hold the, at least a share of the lead. For all four rounds of that event, and then the final round. When I was watching some of the highlights, right? I mean, it seemed like you were sinking everything you looked at, every putt you looked at. Talk about breaking through that week.
1: Um, Well, that was that was just unbelievable because I just lost my coach and um, George in 2010. So you know, I was I was having to. Find another coach and um, found one in a guy called Gavin Christie, who was another Scotsman um, and was old school teaching wise, like George was. And he just refined a few things that um, you know George and I were working on. And then that that year in 2012, I'd played three rounds of golf, three competitive rounds of golf um, in May, about two weeks before the, the PGA at Harbour Shores, and just everything just clicked. I mean I drove the ball well, I hit my iron shots well. My stats I think for were something like eighty seven percent of greens and ninety one percent the fairways hit. So, you know, all at one stage in on the last round I was nine shots clear and um I was just cruising. But it was just one of those one of those moments that everything just clicked and I felt that I could do anything really.
0: Roger, I'm guessing you're a bit superstitious because I read that you ate at the same restaurant, the Grand Grandmere <laughs> Restaurant, you, Wednesday night before the first round and then for the next three nights in a row. Talk about that. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was funny. Um, I was I was on my own. Uh, my wife hadn't come over because I was just away for one week. And um, I came down to reception on the, on the Wednesday night and asked the guy, you know, is there anywhere decent to eat around here? And, and he said, "Oh, there's a place just up the road, about a mile up the road from where I was, where my hotel was." And I went there and sat on my own. I took my, I took a book and uh, I was reading a, a Joe Nesbo book and um, I had a meal. And next morning I was off early. I shot 68. I was uh, fortunate before to go out before the, the winds really got up, but I played lovely. No mistakes. And then I thought, well, okay, I'll go back there again go to the Grand Mirror Inn. I'm leading the tournament. And I don't think they'd sort of realized who I was yet. And then uh, sat down, had another meal, went out next day, shot 67. And I thought, well, I've got to go back, um, <laughs> you know, Friday night. And um, so I went back Friday night. Now they're, they're, oh, this is the guy that's leading the tournament, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they were looking after me and I went, had another, you know, read my book on my own, same table. Um, And then on the Saturday night, uh, Bobby Clampett and David Frost said, oh, they've got a house. And they said, oh, we're we're having a barbecue tonight. I said, sorry, guys, I'm going back to the Grand mirror and on my own. I wasn't wasn't (laughs) going to break the uh, break the sequence.
0: That leads to the question. And I read that about uh, Frost and Clampin inviting you for dinner. So w- was it a genuine, "Hey, come have a barbecue with us," or "Hey, we heard about this streak you're on. We got to break up this streak if we got a chance because Frost only finished a few strokes behind you." Was he trying to break no, the no, streak or were, invite you over for no, dinner?
1: No, no, they were, they were really good. They totally understood. And because I think a lot of golfers are a bit superstitious. I wore the same shoes every day, the black shoes. I wore the same black hat. It didn't go with my blue outfit on the last day, but who cares? I I wasn't going to break anything that day, that week.
0: (laughs) So the other other question about the dinner: Did you eat the same thing every night when you went back? Was it that ritual? No, no, no. I had four
1: different things because when I went back in 2013, because I was defending champion. Uh we went to Harbour Shores um to do some stuff with the first tea and, and the kids' club and everything. So but then they took me to uh dinner on uh one of the evenings and the restaurant um they gave us all the four meals that I had. The four different meals. Um but uh, they they remembered what I had and then they gave me a voucher saying that um, I've got free food for life at the Grand Mere Inn. <laughs> wow. Because they they got so much publicity out of it. You know, everybody's saying, what are you eating at oh, the Grand Mere Inn? And people shouting down the fairway, hey, Raj, you are they' eating at the Grand Mere Inn tonight? And I'm thumbs up. And, you know, it was, all, it was brilliant. It was good fun.
0: Roger, a few weeks later, you returned to Michigan, this time at Indianwood Golf and Country Club for the U.S. Senior Open. You won there, thanks in part to a final round 66. You came from four shots back against a guy who doesn't give up many leads, and that's Bernard Longer. Talk about you know your mindset going into Sunday and um, what it was like coming coming through, and once he started to come back just a little bit, you were off and running.
1: Yeah, it was a um, it was a it was a strange week because um, the previous week uh, again I was hitting the ball really well at Pebble Beach, but I was wasn't putting very well. And my wife, she was on this trip this time, and on the Saturday night, I'm at um, on the putting green at Pebble, and I said, "Come out and have a look," because you've watched me putt. She said, "Uh, "Okay." So we went out for about half an hour, 45 minutes, and she says, "What's that? What that forward press you do? Where where's that gone?" I said, "Have I stopped doing it?" She said, "Yeah." So we she started, I started doing that little forward press that I do, and. All of a sudden, started the ball rolling again. And next day at Pebble, I shot 69. And then when we went off to um, Indian Wood uh, in Michigan, and I didn't get off to a very good start. I would think I was two over after four holes in the first round, but then got it back, shot 68. And then it was 68, 68, 68. And as you say, four shots behind Langer. You, everybody's sort of looking at each other, playing, saying, "Okay, we're playing for second spot." And um, I'm second to last group out, and I par the first and Birdie the second. And then Bernard he pars the first and then double bogeys the second. So all of a sudden, that three that four shot lead has immediately gone within half an hour to one shot. And now I'm thinking, right, game on here. And I played again, I played fantastic, uh, fantastic golf in, I think, I shot lowest. Uh, the lowest score of the day, and people said it was windy, but I was such, so in the zone, I never felt any wind at all. It was uh, it was it was it was weird. When I look back at the recordings of it, and I could see the trees, you know, rustling in the in the in the background shots. And I'm thinking, it wasn't that windy, was it? So you know, I was again in the zone, and the two weeks in Michigan were you know the best two weeks of my career, really.
0: Roger, from a strategy perspective, heading into that round, knowing your four shots behind him, were you going, was it an idea of go for broke? I got to try to make as many birdies as I can here. And then, like you say, a half an hour later, when it's down to one, do you have to change your mindset and your strategy at all? Because now you don't have to go for broke on every single hole.
1: No, I, um, my, my attitude was that, you know, I've got to, I, Posted a number in my mind to to have at least a chance, and I always felt that I mean Langer, I think he shot 64 the third day, and he hold he held everything. I mean he was holding 30 footers, 40 footers, and you and I know that when somebody shoots a 64, it's very difficult to to sort of carry on the next day. And I thought in my back of my mind he would be hard pressed to shoot you know a 68 or better um so i thought well if i could shoot 66 or 65 uh that was my that was my goal for the day um and then we'll see where that happens you know i can't do any more uh if i can shoot 65 66 i'll have shot you know i've uh sorted my goal out for the day and we'll see where it goes and uh lo and behold bernard shot uh i think it was a in the end, uh, so you know he was struggling. Um, I played great again, really solid from t to green. I didn't didn't change my mindset. Uh, it was a tight course. Uh, the rough was up. Um, I just again drove the ball really well, kept it on the fairways, um, hit my iron shots pretty close, and again you know got the putter rolling, which my wife sorted out the previous week, so I've got her to thank for that one. <laughs>
0: Roger, it wasn't easy coming down the stretch in the tournament. Your lead was cut to one on 16, and then on the par three 17th, you hit a five iron from about 203 yards to six inches. Talk about the perfect shot at the perfect time. Talk about that shot.
1: Well, it was it was um, 16 was a big hole because I I and Corey Pavin, my playing partner, birded. so I had a a three shot. Lead over him, and all of a sudden that's down to one. And then uh, 17, he hits a he hits a great shot. One of his chase and runs up the up the green um, to about uh, about 15 feet or something, 20 feet. Really good shot. And the wind was directly right to left. It wasn't hurting, or it wasn't down breeze so, and it was just off the right. And I, it was just a perfect five iron. I thought if I just turn it on the wind, um, and I can pitch it just short of the, you know, the slope up to the the back tier. Um, hopefully, it will run up. And you know, my goal was to get inside um, Corey's shot. When, <laughs> and I did. I, it was a, it was a shot of a lifetime for me, um, and you know, a perfect shot at the perfect time.
0: And then you go to eighteen. And you you hit your tee shot a bit into the crowd, you end up making mm-hmm. par. Talk about gathering yourself after that tee shot and getting yourself in a position to par and win the tournament.
1: Well, I now had I now had a, a two shot lead over Corey, and I thought, well, if I don't, do you know, the the main trouble on eighteen was uh, there was bunkers on the right and trees and horrible gorse, and long grass on the right hand side, and I thought, well left half of the fairway, and um, even if it runs through that where all the crowds have been trampling down, you know, it won't be too bad and um just pulled it a little bit. Um it hit I think it hit a spectator and then dropped down um into a bit of a fluffy lie. Again I, I think I had two hundred and nineteen down downhill and it's huge, huge green. Um and then I just struck this six iron, beautiful shot and my aim was was just to you know on the green, um, and it came out absolutely perfectly, and it finished pin high, about twenty feet left of the hole. And walking down after Corey had, hadn't sort of hold his second shot, um, I knew that three putts was was going to be good enough.
0: Yeah, what's that like? What's it like taking that final uh, walk of the 18th towards the green, knowing that you know you got this now. You're gonna, you're gonna be a major champion.
1: Uh, it was good, and I remember my caddy Kevin Murphy saying, because he's a, he was a Liverpudlian, he said, we got, call him a scout accent. He says, uh, hey, what is it about these majors you keep winning? <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's, that's when I sort of, I take my putter head cover off and give it back to him, and I'm laughing at him as we, as we're playing the 18th, and it was just, it was a great feeling and and to have Kathy, Kathy there and sort of walk onto the green afterwards. And, um, it was just a, you know, it was just a wonderful, wonderful sort of 15 minutes of, I can enjoy this.
0: So Roger, I got to believe Michigan is your favorite one of the States and you sort of, you won the Michigan slam, if you will, that year. You got to have a special place in your heart now.
1: Yeah. It was funny because my wife's in PR and she said, what are you going to say at the prize giving? I said, I don't know, I'll think of something. And she's gone, oh, God, please, please, please do it right. And then Gary Coke, after the prize giving, says, um, you know, you win at Harbour Shores, you win here. He says, what is it about the state of Michigan? And the previous night I'd seen this commercial on TV, um, Pure Michigan, about the state of Michigan and, you know, the tourism. And I just came up, I said, it's just Pure Michigan. And the crowd went, mental. And <laughs> <She's laughs> that, that was the best thing you could have said. Brilliant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now, Roger, you're you're in a very select uh, group. There's only been four guys to win the Senior PGA and the Senior U.S. Open in the same year. You, Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, Hale Irwin. What's it um, What's it like it's, being amongst those four guys? Or those three guys? Now you make four.
1: Um, yeah, it's a pretty good feeling. Um, it's it's incredible how, I mean, after my first win, I went to Fox Chapel at the and um, I'm sitting on my own with my wife and we're having breakfast and Tom Watson comes and says, asks, "Can I join you for breakfast?" I'll, I'm, am I going to say, "No, sorry, Tom, we're just having a," you know, "Of course you can, Tom." <laughs> you know, people, you know, people are people were brilliant. I mean, they. You know, after I won the the PGA, they sort of accepted me as part of the tour, and and even Jack Nicklaus. You know, I spoke to Jack, and it just it's almost surreal, but it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and you go and play in Jack's uh, pro am down at um, down in Florida, um, and he's walking along the range, and he sort of comes up, hey, hey, Roger, how you doing? And sort of you know, shakes hands and tweaks your Tweaks his side and walks up to somebody else and, what's, what's going on? Jack Nichols is just tweaking my side and you know and having a laugh with me. It's crazy, but absolutely loved it.
0: To that point, Roger, how how much did the, did those wins change your life? I imagine, I mean, um,
1: to be all of a sudden, you know, I I went I literally went for one week on the to, to play the PGA, and then stayed for six years on the PGA. Tour champions. I mean, you, it couldn't get any better than that. I mean, you know, playing with these guys and making so many good friendships, you know, with Steve Lowry, Bobby Clampett, John Cook, Jadon Blake, and people like that, David Frost, it, you know, they, they welcomed me with open arms. And, and then um, Hale Irwin says, Would you be my partner for the best pro shops? And I'm thinking, Hale Irwin is asking me to be his partner. I mean, it's just, it's just, it was surreal, but I, you know, as I said earlier, it, it was. It I loved it. It was brilliant playing over there.
0: A couple of years later, you get the opportunity to go back to Harbor Shores again in another tournament and kind of walk through, you know, all the things you got to uh, accomplish there. You kind of relive it a little bit. What was that like for you?
1: Uh, it was it was it was fantastic. I mean, because I was the first winner at um at Harbor Shores. It, it it almost I had celebrity status, which sounds a bit weird. But everybody was coming up to me, you know, Hey Raj, glad to see you back and you know, it was it was it was fantastic. And then I I remember my first hole I played with Tom Lehman and I can't remember who the third was, but I holed from about fifteen feet for Birdie. Tom Lehman just says Some things never change, chappers <laughs> 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 I And mean, I you know, yeah, it was <laughs> It was it was brilliant. I made I made the cut, and um, yeah, I didn't play particularly great that week. But it was it was wonderful going back, and you know seeing all the people from KitchenAid Aid and Whirlpool, and it was brilliant, and uh, loved loved every minute of it. And just unfortunate, um, 2018, I had a shoulder injury and had to have an operation on the right shoulder, so I couldn't go back. Um, and then obviously this year with COVID-19. Um, the tournament was cancelled, so the last two times I've missed Harbour Shores and, uh, you know, missed missed everybody and missed all my friends there.
0: Roger, just a couple more before I let you go, and um mm-hmm. curious to get two sides of the coin. Did you ever get a pairing the night before with somebody that, that made you nervous uh, heading into the next day?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, uh, I played, I think I played with Greg Norman a couple of times, and um sometimes you know i i was the i was the sort of the quiet guy and on a on a Sunday, I just wanted a you know somebody that I knew that I'd played with for a lot you know a lot and so we could just have a quiet game and you know I didn't want uh you know roger chapman and and uh, Tom Watson or something or you know in the final round of because you knew that Tom's gonna draw a big crowd and you know, I just wanted to get on with my game and and do my own thing. So yeah, there were times when you know, look at on the Sunday, Saturday night and Sunday, look at the draw. You know, playing with Seve on the last round of the Open one year, and oh god, playing with Seve, wonderful though it was. Um, I just wanted to get on with with my own thing. But um, you know, I I learned to cope with it, and being in America on the PGA Tour Champions. You're playing with with uh, legends all all day every day, and um, so I got you know I got used to it in the end.
0: On the opposite side of that, did did you ever get into a, a pairing where somebody that you really really respected actually had something really nice to say to you and made you feel really good to, at the start of the round?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, Sevi, he was he was he was the man in Europe, and. um, he was the man that sort of put the European Tour on the map and and got the European tour going and I remember one one year I'm playing with him I'm drawn with him the first two rounds in Switzerland and I've got about six holes to go the second round and I'm everybody sort of knows what, what the cut mark is gonna be and I was a couple over the cut mark and Sevi comes over to me and says, eh, eh, Roya. says Why you not trying? I said, I am trying, Sevy. He says you know not very very hot. He says, you make two or three birdies? So you've had the, you've had the you know, a rollicking from Seve. And um, and with that, I went something like birdie, eagle, par, birdie. And then I rolled in a putt on the 17 for another birdie. And Seve's at the back of the green, giving it the fist pump and, you know, a big smile. And I thought, wow, that is, I've got so much respect for you, pal. He was amazing.
0: Roger, I read that uh, when you were here in the States a few years ago in between tournaments, you got to cross an item off your bucket list, which was seeing the Rolling Stones live in concert at the Brickyard <laughs> in Indianapolis. Tell that story. That
1: was, that was amazing. Um, I think we, we had a week off, and um, I can't remember. And Kathy and I were thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we're just looking at you know, Rolling Stones playing at the Brickyard. July the fourth. I said, "Come on, let's go." So we bought tickets, and we said to um, we said to John Cook. I said, "Look, we're going to be we're going we're doing this." He said, "What a great idea!" Because um, his father was heavily into uh, motor racing, and he said uh, next morning, he "says We got two tickets as well. Let's make a let's make a you know a couple of days of it." So we flew in and we met up with John and Jan and we went to this um, fabulous steak restaurant that uh, John cook's father used to go to and all the you know all the uh, racing drivers went to so we had a fabulous night um before the concert and then we went to the concert and watched the rolling stones and they were magnificent and it was uh, it was a one heck of a night and then John and you know the four of us went back in a in a in a taxi to the hotel and had a couple of drinks and you know it was it was one of those nights that you'll never ever forget and um we used to do a lot of those things you know if we had a week off we we went down to mexico we went to bahamas and you know went to stay with people um so we made we made use of the our weeks off it was it was great fun
0: Roger, you talked about how the um the senior European tour due to Covid nineteen has cancelled the rest of the season, so when's the next time we're going to get an opportunity to see you play? well,
1: um, it's that they're, they're looking to try and do Seychelles and Mauritius, which is in December um, and that's normally our last two of the year, but um they're trying to sort of get those two going, but uh, um, probably. Sort of next year. Um, the tournament we played in on the PGA Tour Champions was down in, in Morocco, which was end of January, beginning of February. Um, hopefully that will be on and um, you know, I might get the sponsors' exemption again there. Um, so if we don't do Seychelles Mauritius, then hopefully Morocco. So it's going to be a while, but um, yeah, lockdown has been quite good actually for us because. You know, I've been on the road for 40 years. Uh, it's actually quite nice to be at home and do some stuff around the garden, do some stuff around the house and and just chill a bit and, you know, not have to get on a plane. But um, beginning to start to miss the game and, you know, want to get back out there and practice and, uh, you know, get back uh, competing again.
0: Well, Roger, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with what you're doing and, uh, and see when that opportunity will be there again to watch you play. How can they follow you on social media or online?
1: Um, well, online, you can go to the Stay Shore Tour, which is europeantour.com, um, or I'm on uh, Roger Chapman 1 on Instagram, um, and I'll post what, we, what I'm doing and what I'm, what I'm getting up to, what I'm getting ready for. Um, and you'll get all the news on the uh, European Tour site, uh, europeantour.com, and um, we'll take it from there.
0: Well, Roger, I can't thank you enough for being uh, generous with your time and joining me today all the way from over in England. You're a delight. I hope you'll come back and and do it again sometime. I've enjoyed spending time with you.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Would love to. You you have a great day, and, um, you know, now golf's going in America. Um, you know at least you got uh, stuff to talk about now and I'll be watching uh, the travelers this evening
0: take care Roger stay safe all the best to you and your family look forward to catching up with you again soon
1: yeah thanks very much indeed thank you you take care
0: you too thank you Roger spring is here and baseball is back you can't forget the derby I love the hats